0: hey guys this is Matt Cruz I am NOT in the pulpit I'm actually in my 5x5 study in my basement we had a little gremlin crawl in the audio board this Sunday and the so the sermon did not get recorded but we do know that a bunch of you guys are trying to keep pace with the preaching at 7 Mile Road in the series that we're doing so I'm gonna give you the cliff notes version and just walk you through what we did on Sunday give you some of the highlights should be about half the time that we would normally do when preaching God's word to the congregation. Uh, so we're preaching through that series called Thessalonians in a Rotary. Thessalonica was that city in the first century Roman Empire where Paul and Silas and Timothy visited with the gospel. And a church was born there. And if you remember, uh, their first few weeks together were just beautiful. But then Paul and Silas and Timothy were chased out of town in the middle of the night and these new Christians began to face afflictions because of their faith from their countrymen. Everything just went downhill. And so the frame that we're using in this series is that they were like a young driver cruising on a road having fun and then coming across a rotary and having no idea how to get through this hard, unexpected thing. They're alone and they're young and they're uncertain and they're unsure and they are despairing and so their pastor Paul who loves them deeply writes to them to encourage them to hope in the gospel Uh, last week we saw that he did that by reminding them you were chosen by God you did not make the wrong choice to follow Jesus God chose you and he chose right This week we were seeing how Paul encouraged these Thessalonians by reminding them that they had turned from idols. And so we talked idols and idolatry and why those Thessalonians and we Bostonians should find great hope, great encouragement when we look in the rearview mirror and we see idols. Our key verse was this one from the first chapter. It said Paul said that they themselves uh, other people he had talked to about the church they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Alright, we we talked about how, like all cities, all places, all times, all the cities of men, all the cities of the Roman Empire, the city of Thessalonica was a very idolatrous place. So we said that if you grew up there, if you visited there, if you spent any time there, you would have said religious and religious life centering on The worship of idols or statues or images. There was a a temple to Serapis where the rites of the Nile were performed and the room was littered with idols, statues. There was a cult called the Dionysians. Their god was the god of wine, of the emotional, passionate life. He promised you that a joyous afterlife was coming. His temple was actually filled with idols of the phallus. Uh, showing prosperity and potency and power and the promise of life that the god Dionysius held out to these Thessalonians. There's another temple, of course, with the statues of the gods of Olympus, Zeus and Aphrodite and the rest. You could go there. You could worship these statues representing these gods, counting on them for Uh, hope to bless you to remember you to intercede for you to save you down by the boardwalk in Thessalonica was another temple of the cult of Kabiris this one was the god of the sailors very important in a port city and so they would worship uh, statues or idols in this uh, temple and count on this god to protect them on the seas and to be there for them and of course In downtown Thessalonica was a temple of the Caesars, were the Roman gods. They counted on Rome for benefaction, financial prosperity, political security, and so they made idols of the Caesars, Julius and others. Pax et securitas, peace and security, promised by those gods, and so they would worship and serve them. That was Thessalonica it was an idolatrous place to its core idols everywhere that's how the city worshiped and what we can't miss in it is that they weren't just going through religious rites but they were counting on those gods all of their hopes and dreams for peace and joy and prosperity were wrapped up in those gods and so they clung to those idols and relied on those gods for their ultimate security their hearts, as a city, were turned to idols. And because of that, all of their affections, all of their worship, all of their service was given to those idols as well. That was Thessalonica. And Paul and Silas and Timothy showed up at that city. All right, so now you figure, so what? Who cares about Thessalonica worshiping idols? We, we live in Boston. That sounds ridiculous and foolish, statues and pillars. We are enlightened, secular, postmodern Bostonians. We don't do idols here. Why are we talking about this? And we said that it's because idolatry is not just an ancient problem, it's a human problem. Uh, bigger than that, idolatry is the human problem. And that's because idolatry is way more than just pouring gold in a smelter and making a statue to bow down to in a temple. Idolatry is every form of God substituting. The word idol is really just a convenient shorthand for letters, for whatever it might be that your heart clings to or relies on for ultimate security instead of God. So idolatry is embracing any Savior, any Lord, any God, rather than the triune, living God. It's placing your hopes, your dreams, your trust, and so giving your affections and your worship and your service to anyone or anything but God. And we said that we are all guilty of that. It's because we're wired in a way that we can't not worship something. There are no atheists. All of us necessarily either worship the uncreated God or we will worship some created thing we can't not worship it's either God or idols we're going to put our trust our affections our hopes somewhere we have to the problem for all of us is that by nature and choice we run for the idols idols dazzle and they lure and they entice and they look good and they make a million promises that they cannot keep, but we love them anyway. We were created in the image of God to worship Him and Him alone, but instead we, we exchange the glory of the immortal God and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. And so humanity, all of us, in all cities of all times, turn from God in a thousand different directions and come up with a thousand different gods that we embrace. And so then we just took some time to talk through Bostonian idols and how idolatrous our city is. We talked about how government is a huge idol in this culture, that we're the bluest of the blue state, big government blue. Uh, We want government as big as possible because we believe that government has the answer to all of our problems. Government will save us. Government dazzles this this Kennedy-Bostonian with its promises of salvation. And so we worship and serve and trust in government. (coughs) We read through the responses of four of our mayoral candidates when they were asked, how are you going to solve the problem of crime? And not a single one of them mentioned Jesus or his gospel or the transformation of the heart or running the government in a biblically faithful way. Of course not. But every single one of them said more programs, more civic groups, more police, bigger and better schools, more after school stuff, government, government programs, government subsidies, government activities can solve our problems. It can save us. And so we have turned to government, which is a good thing and made it an ultimate thing we've taken a necessary thing that should be submitted to the Lordship of Christ and we've made it Christ we've turned from God to an idol of government and then we ran through a whole bunch of other idols that we uh, totally worship here in our Boston culture science and technology we're convinced that they can heal our bodies and fix our economy if we could just become the stem cell research capital of the world and so we run over every ethical barrier as if it doesn't exist to pursue this god of science and technology professional sports is a huge idol here people's joy their hope almost all of their uh, discretionary income tons of hours goes to uh, the socks the celts the bruins the pats Because they are gods to us. They can bring us joy and meaning and purpose. And so bury me in a Patriots jersey. We talked about education being an idol here. We ran through Obama's recent speech to all the kids who are in government schooling. And it was just breathtaking. He said, what you make of your education will decide nothing less than the future of this country. He said, what you're learning in school will determine whether we as a nation can meet our greatest challenges in the future. There it is. That's where our hope lies in the idol of education. Not the hope of our country is that we as a nation will act in repentance and obedience to the risen Christ who is Lord of all. Not that we as a country will will come to embrace The God who raises nations up and throws them down, no, 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 school is our God. Uh, We could have kept going with that list. The big point was that in our city, we don't have actual idols that we bow to, but we have turned from God to idols and we trust them to come through for us. And so we give our time, energy, affections, and faith and hope to these things. Um, We also talked about how it's not just broad that a culture does that, but we all do that individually, whether it's our bodies, whether it's soliciting applause from others, whether it's putting our children in the place of God and all of our joy being wrapped up in them and all of our fears and hopes and dreams being wrapped up in them and not God or career success, romance, family status, popularity, beauty. Idols, 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 idols that we turn to in worship, in faith and dependence. And we came to realize on Sunday, we are just like the Thessalonians. Now the next question was, why is that all so bad? We said, here's why. Because you become what you worship. And if it's false gods and idols that you love and trust and worship, It means that you will become blind to God and deaf to God and headed for destruction. Just like idols are blind and deaf and headed for destruction. We said that the scriptures teach that we are imaging beings, that we reflect whatever it is that we face, that whatever our shoulders are turned to, that is what we're going to begin to look like. We were created in the image of God, and we were supposed to reflect His glory for our joy. But when we turn from Him to idols, we don't lose our image-bearingness. We will still resemble what we revere, and it's just that we start to resemble the things, the idols, instead of the glorious living God. We ran through some scripture where you can see that when the scripture describes those who have turned to idols, the idols get described in one way, and then those who worship the idols get described in the same way. And so, for example, the Israelites in the desert who worship the idol of the golden calf are described as a stiff-necked people. We said, you see that? The same way that a golden calf a calf would be stiff-necked, rebellious, disobedient, refusing to embrace uh, obedience. That's how God described those people. That was the, the adjective he chose. You're stiff-necked, just like the idol you worship. You are becoming like what you worship. We also said how the Bible says over and over again that those who have turned from God to other gods are blind even though they have eyes. They're deaf even though they have ears. Their hearts are dead even though they have beating hearts in them. Just like what? Just like idols. Idols with eyes that can't see. Idols with ears that can't hear. Idols that are dead. We even saw how Jesus describes the Pharisees that way. Their idol was not a statue. But their false guard that they clung to in hope was their dead tradition, their legalisms. And so Jesus said, just like your idol of tradition is dead, your hearts are dead. You are blind guides. And so he really paused and said, look at the problem with idolatry. Not only do idols not save, but you become like the idol that you face. And the longer that you face it and worship it and love it and trust it, the blinder you become, the deafer you become, the more stiff-necked you become. Its fate becomes your fate and you are destroyed. And then we just marveled at how here's where Jesus' gospel comes in. It sets us free from idols by turning us. And so the gospel turns turns us from idols back to where we should have been facing and it turns our hearts to God. The word turn in our text, you turned from God to idols, is almost a technical term in the newer covenant for this thing that happens when we repent and believe in Jesus. Our hearts, our souls, our shoulders, they're facing idols, worshipping all these false gods. And then in His grace, man. The Father calls us and we hear His call and we turn from all that garbage, all that blind, deaf, dead junk. And we turn to face the living and the true God and to embrace and long for and wait for His living, risen Son who will save us from the wrath that is coming on our idols. Now that's what happened in Thessalonica. The Gospel came, their hearts were turned, they no longer embraced those idols, but they came to faith in the risen Christ to esteem the Son that the Father had put forth for their salvation. When they did that, they ran into a rotary. All the nice and neat life, the pagan rituals, the acceptance in those cults and cliques was now gone. All they had was uh, Jason's house and some parchments and each other. No more idols, just an invisible God to worship. And they were being beaten down because of that and discouraged. And so how does the Apostle Paul encourage those folks? He tells them, guys, look in the rear view mirror. And what do you see? (laughs) Idols idols that blinded you idols that deafened you idols that promised life and joy but were only going to deliver death and wrath god in his grace set you free from those idols be reminded you turned to god from idols and then we just marveled at what a reminder that would have been that's right that's right that's right Our shoulders were turned from death to life. Our hope is in the living and the true God. We're not turning back to all that death. We have been given grace by God to receive a risen and living Savior. Wow, how encouraging that would have been. And then we ended with the idea that all of us who received God's grace should find the same kind of encouragement when we look in the rearview mirror and see the idols that God has set us free from. We ended the service singing Living Sacrifice, and it's got that awesome, awesome line in there. I won't bury my past. It's a testimony to the grace and the love that God gives. I love that line because it reminds me of of this text. There is something cool about not burying my past. Because there is a sense in which it is a great encouragement to my despairing heart at times when I glance in the rearview mirror and I see the grace of God. And I see the myriad of false gods that I embraced, that He turned me from. When I see the path littered with idols, and I won't terrify you on this podcast with the many that I had clung to. But God in His grace set me free, thinking on that, remembering that, that, that my God is a risen Savior, that He is the most beautiful, glorious, majestic, to be esteemed and loved, being in the universe, Jesus the Son, infinitely glorious. It is Him that I now face and revere and worship and amazingly It is His image that I am being conformed to. And so we just want you guys, if you're despairing, if you're in a rotary, if you're feeling Thessalonian, to just glance in the rearview mirror and be encouraged. Look behind you and see God's grace. You were given over to idols. You loved them. You were going to die with them. But God saved you, the living and true God. And so look with courage for his son. Live a life in the light of Jesus, waiting for him to come and complete the salvation that he's begun. And then, of course, we just compelled folks there who have not turned from idols, who are still counting on a million dazzling but lying gods to save them, to turn. Folks who are who are blind and deaf and hard in their hearts come to see the light of christ and turn to cast down their idols and their false gods and to turn to turn to face and cling to and rely on and embrace and worship and revere the living god the one who does save the one who fulfills his promises the one who dazzles in his glory and comes through in his power. Turn to face that God and see everything about your life transformed. So that was Sunday. If you missed it, that we would be encouraged, that God's grace has turned us from idols, that we would just stand up straight and rejoice. We're going to get through this rotary because we are being conformed to the image of the living and the glorious and the true God. And we're waiting for His risen Son to come back and finally save us from the wrath that should have been ours because of our idols, but that we have been set free from by the grace of our God.